Good morning. Um, just real quick, I realize it's warm in here, right? So we got the fan going. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to preach fast, so listen fast, and we'll get we'll get through this together, okay? All right. Hey, if you're a guest with us, my name is Elvin. I serve as one of the pastors here. Uh, this morning, Pastor Jay is uh, preaching at Bridge Church this morning, and uh, Pastor Tyler is on sabbatical, and so you're stuck with me. All right, you're stuck with me this morning, but. But it's okay. I, before uh, we get into the word this morning, uh, I got a text uh, just a few minutes ago while we were while we were while we were uh, worshiping Jesus through song. Uh, we have a lot of people that watch us online. In fact, more people watch us online and are worshiping with us at home than are actually in the room right now. And so, can we say hi to people that are worshiping with us online? And I got a text from my sister who is watching in Kearney, Nebraska, and she said. Okay, all right. So, so, so she, said, she said, hey, you should plant a church in Kearney. I'm serious. Pray about it, right? And I replied to her, I replied, I'm busy. <laughs> I'm busy. And here's why I'm busy, right? Not because today, but we are planting a church in South Omaha. So... Carney could probably be on the list, but next up is South Omaha, and uh, I'm excited. I hope that you're excited because we're not, we're no longer just dreaming about it, talking about it, planning for it. We are taking active steps, praying, planning, and pursuing, following God's lead, and he's beginning to open doors and uh, make connections, and, and so just by God's grace, uh, we are praying that uh, by January, we'll be able to start gathering people together as a core team, and then launch publicly as a brand new church plant in South Omaha by Easter of next year. Can you get excited for that? Yeah. And so here's what I want to invite you to. I want to invite you not only to be praying, but on Wednesday, the 16th of June, uh, we are going to be gathering together for our second prayer gathering for South Omaha. And so we'd love to be able to have you with us. We're going to be, uh, um, uh, a church in South Omaha has graciously let us use their facility. And so we're going to be meeting there. Stop me afterwards. I'd love to get you connected. Um, uh, email hello at uh, citylightbenson.org. We'd love to help you take your next step and, uh, and have you uh, uh, pray with us toward that end. Amen? Amen. I, I'm excited. And so I better calm down because it's a little warm up here. It's warm up here. Uh, listen, I, I realize that when I get up here and preach, when everybody, anybody gets up here and preach, there's a mixture of people that are listening and watching um, these sermons. There are people who know, love, and follow Jesus, and you are anticipating, expecting to hear from him this morning. You are whatever. Some people are listening to this months after it has been preached on a podcast, and you're waiting, anticipating, you're listening to it because you believe God, you believe his word, and you're anticipating what he has for you. You guys tracking with me? At the same time, there are people, even in this room right now, and online, and months down the line, listening on a podcast, who are hearing this, but don't necessarily have confidence in God's word. Don't necessarily have a, a, a faith that says that God can be trusted, right? And that his word is faithful, reliable, and true. You guys tracking with me? I got saved when I was 17 years old. I remember I was laying in my bed after my brother had shared the gospel with me over a period of months, and, uh, uh, and I had asked him to stop sharing the gospel with me because it was annoying, right? It was annoying. And, and he was so excited. He was like, you got to know. And I was like, no, I don't. Right? And, and, 
And he told me, just read it for myself. And I read 2 Corinthians 5.17. It said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a brand new creation. The old is gone. Behold, the new has come. And I wanted that. I wanted what he had. I wanted to become a new creation. And that evening, praying, reading my Bible, I prayed for the first time, and I asked Jesus to save me. First time ever praying that I can remember. And my life changed radically, dramatically from that moment forward. I had confidence in who I was, that I was a brand new creation. I I had confidence that I knew God. My affection for him began to grow. Things started to change in my life pretty significantly from that moment forward. But it wasn't until a few months later, several months later, that I grew in confidence and belief in God's word. You guys tracking with me? That you can have faith in Jesus and not have faith in his word, right? I don't know if that's theologically sound, but I know that it was true for me, right? I know that I believed Jesus, that I trusted him, but I didn't have confidence in his word. But I could tell you the moment that I was like, oh, this is real. This is true. I can count on this, right? I don't know if you're a believer in Christ. I don't know if you, I don't know if you can pinpoint that moment where, where your confidence in God's word came to life. Where you're like, I can trust this. And it came to life for me reading Romans chapter 7. It came to life to uh, reading Romans chapter 7 because I read it and I stopped halfway through and I was like, yes, this, amen. This gave voice to my angst. It gave voice to what I was experiencing in that moment. It gave voice to so much. And in that moment, I had confidence in God's word. And I knew that if he can give voice and speak to where I'm at, where I was in that moment, in that moment, then I can trust him for everything else. And here's what God's word says. We're going to be in Romans chapter 7, beginning in verse uh, 15, from 15 and go through 8, 1, chapter 8, verse 1. And it says this, for I do not understand my own actions. Let's stop right there, right? Can anybody relate? I do not understand my own actions. And I read that and I was like, yeah. I'm alone in my room. I'm looking around. Is anybody else with me? Yes. Um, For I do not do what I want, but what I do, but I do the very thing I hate. Yeah. 16. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. This just gave confirmation that I was still battling sin. 18. For I know that, for I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. So he's saying that I know that nothing good dwells in my flesh. Not that there's nothing good in me, right? I have the spirit of God, right? So um, that is that is in the, in the flesh, in the flesh. For I know that nothing good does with me that is in the flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. I'll read that again. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good that I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members 
another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. This is God's word. That good news right there, the way that lands, yeah, this is, there's so much, so much in these, in these verses. And, and what I want to do with our time this morning is just highlight, uh, point out three pieces of good news. Three pieces of good news, because when I read this, um, I was 17 years old and I was wrestling. I was wrestling because the desires of my heart, I had come to know Jesus and I had uh, these desires to please him. But then suddenly I had all these other desires that I have always had. I have always had, and they were suddenly waging war within me. And here I am, 25 years later, it was literally Mother's Day weekend, 1996, so I just had my 25th spiritual birthday, right? Uh, uh, and, 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 and 25 years later, guess what? I'm still in the fight. I still fight the same fight. I still battle the same temptations, right, that I, as, far, as far as, like, there's this tension that I live in, right? Anybody else? I see, like, three people nodding. Anybody else? Just three of us, right? Listen, we will wage that war for, um, as long as we are here, God is at work within us, and he is changing us, conforming us more and more and more into Jesus' likeness. But until that, until that day when he completes it all, we're going to be in the fight. Amen? So I want to point out three, three reasons we can rejoice, three pieces of good news from this text. And the first piece is, this is Paul, right? If you're not familiar with your Bible, the, um, more, most of the New Testament, the second half of the Bible, right, most of it was written by a guy named Paul. And Paul, we know him as St. Paul. We know him as the Apostle Paul, right? But Paul was once a man named Saul who, who grew up, who grew up uh, uh, he was a Jewish boy, he grew up, and he excelled in everything Jewish. He excelled in everything Jewish and to the point where he was a persecutor of the, of the early church, meaning that he was so on fire and zealous for the things of God um, uh, in, his, in his Jewish faith that when Jesus stepped on the scene and Jesus followed stepped on the scene, he was like, this is a threat to my faith. And so he started attacking the Christian church. In fact, the first person to be murdered for their faith in Jesus was a guy named Stephen. And guess who was there giving approval and condoning, sanctioning the murder of Stephen? Paul, right? Paul. And then Jesus met him, literally knocked him off his high horse, blinded him, saved him, changed his heart, changed his mind, and then he, and then he from that moment forward, he started serving Jesus. And he started serving Jesus. This is Paul, right? So not only he had a dramatic, radical, miraculous salvation story, but then from that moment forward, he is the most prolific church planner that we know of in Scripture, right? Everywhere he went, people came to know Jesus, this dude was, was beaten for Jesus, thrown in prison for Jesus. He worked hard for Jesus, shipwrecked multiple times. Like, not once, but twice. Deadliest catch ain't got nothing on Paul, right? Listen, he is the man. This guy was ultimately murdered 
for his faith in Jesus because he wouldn't stop talking about Jesus, right? And we know him as St. Paul. This guy is a spiritual giant, right? You guys tracking with me here? Yet Paul says that he's in the fight. Yet Paul says, the things that I want to do, I don't do. I have a desire to please God in my inner being, but yet evil is close at hand. The evil that I don't want to do, I do. This is encouraging. This is encouraging because it means, one, that I'm in great company. It means that I'm in great company. It means that, that the work that God has been doing, right, that, that he's doing in me, he was doing in Paul, and Paul, years after his salvation, many, church plan, uh, many churches planted later, he was still battling with this tension. He was still battling this fight. And it was personal for him. Look in, 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 this, te- in, this, te- in this passage, over 30 times, Paul refers to himself. Now, I'll, I'll get back to this a little later, but this letter wasn't a journal. When I write in my journal, sometimes I write personally, like I'm talking to myself, right, because I kind of am, right? But he is writing to a church, like CLB. He is writing to a church family so they, they can have f- uh, full understanding of the power of the gospel that is at work, how the, how the gospel has brought them together. He's the power for salvation for all those that believe in Jesus, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. You guys tracking? This is to people, yet over and over and over again, he says, for I do not understand my own actions. I do not do what I want to do. I, I, me, myself, 30 different times in about 15, 10 verses. You guys tracking? So this is uh, Paul, and so it means that we are in great company. We are in great company. And just so that we understand and have a clear picture of who Paul is, I'm going to go to Philippians, if I can find it here. This is why I like the, I like the, the digital Bibles, because then I can just flip, flip without a, you know, it's a, just a tab. Look at 3, verse 6. It says this. This is Paul writing to the Philippian church. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks that he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. If anybody thinks they're a spiritual giant, you're JV on varsity is what he's saying. He says this. He says, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, which is a a, a religious tradition in in the Jewish faith, on the eighth day, of the people of Israel, God's chosen people, of the tribe of Benjamin, so he's one of the 12 tribes, a Hebrew of Hebrews as to the law, meaning he knows his Bible and he follows his Bible. He goes to church twice on Sunday, once on Wednesday, and whenever the house, the, you guys tracking, right? Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee as to zeal, a persecutor of the church as to righteousness under the law, blameless blameless. This guy is, right? He's like, ethnically, I'm Jewish with a side of Jewish, right? Spiritually and religiously, I am the Pope. You guys tracking, right? And so here, this, this is, we are in good company, people. If you battle this, that you battle your sin, you battle the temptations that you battle. I don't know what it is. I know what it was when I was 17, that I was uh, uh, messing with the girls and I was doing all kinds of stuff, yet I got saved and God was convicting me about the way that I was treating girls, right? And yet, so I wanted to please God. I wanted to change the way that I was behaving, yet I still like the girls. <laughs> you guys, right? Okay, 
Um, I got nervous for a second there. The point is, is that, that you're in, in great company. And here's what, what I learned about Paul, is that what God is doing in you now, he will use to lead others later. That what God was doing in me and what God has done in me, and I find this to be true in my life, that the things that God is showing me about himself and revealing to me about myself and the things that he wants me to change in my life and empowering me to change in my life is not just for me. It doesn't just terminate on me. He's going to use it to work in people's lives later, whether it be my family or whether it be you. You guys tracking? And every single one of you are a leader in some realm of your life. You have a sphere of influence. And whatever God is doing in you now, he will use it to influence change and reveal himself to others later. You guys tracking? Is that good news? This is Paul. This is great news. You're in great company. Let's keep moving here. Number two, your conflicting desires are evidence of your salvation. Your conflicting desires are evidence of your salvation. Let's look at, at verse 18. At verse 18, I should probably keep track of where I am. Verse 18, for I know that nothing good dwells in me, in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. I have the desire to do what is right. Do you know that God puts brand new desires in you? That he puts, he makes your heart, which was hard, says the Bible calls it a heart of stone. He makes it a heart of flesh. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says that you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Do you know what dead people can do? Nothing. Right? But, but by, the, by the power of the gospel, the spirit of God has made your hard heart soft, your stone heart flesh, your dead heart alive. And with that, he's given you brand new desires. The things that are in you are, 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 there, from, are there from God. That is good, right? It is good. That is good news because that means that I'm not, I'm not going crazy. Is that God has put things in me, right? In Galatians, he says, he talks about the enemy keeping us from doing the things that we want to do. Yes, I do want to please God. I do want to please him. I do want to honor him and honor others, right? But yet I have this battle going on. And here, here's why this matters. This, this matters because if you do not have conflicting desires, in pleasing God and pleasing yourself, hear me, you might not be saved. You may not know Jesus if you have no desire, no desire to walk toward him. And I know that's a strong statement. And I don't know your heart. I'm not judging you. I'm not saying you don't know Jesus. I'm saying that if you have no desire to walk after him. If you only want the benefits of being in the family of God, but don't want the father himself, you may not know him. You may be like the neighbor kid who likes to come over because he likes our snacks. Right? But he ain't my kid. Right? And the second I try to treat him like he's my kid, he's like, you ain't my daddy. Right? You need to go home. Right? Like, in fact, listen, one of the scariest verses in all of Scripture is in Matthew chapter 7, where, where Jesus says that on that day, on the last day, 
He says, many will come to me and say, Lord, Lord, have we not, and then rattle off all these qualifications, these religious qualifications. Have we not done all the right things? Have we not checked all the boxes, crossed all the T's, dotted all the I's? And Jesus says, and I will say to them on that day, away from me, I never knew you. Because Jesus isn't after our religious obedience. He's after our heart, right? He's after our heart. He wants us to know him, love him, and follow him because we love him, because we know him. You guys tracking? Right? And so when you have that conflicting desire, it is evidence. It is evidence. Listen, I had a pastor once. My my wife and I, one of our our first pastors together, um, uh, once said something that struck us. And it was like, I I can't remember exactly how he said it, but he was like uh, um, that every Christian has doubted their salvation. And if you've never doubted your salvation, you might not be a Christian, right? Like, I was like, oh, what? I was like, what? That's scary. That's scary. What he was saying was that every Christian battles with this tension. Every Christian, man, do I even know God? Do I even love him? Because the, the, the things that are going on inside of me, the, thing, the pictures and the things that I have going on inside of my mind, my, my desire to do this, like, man, I, I want to be generous, but I want more, Right? I, I want to be hospitable. I want to show hospitality and have people over and love my neighbors. But, man, I'm tired, and I don't want somebody dirtying up my bathroom, right? 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 I, I want to honor my, honor my wife, right? But the images that are flooding us in, 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 all around us, right, they're tempting to continue indulging. You guys, that's too real? That's too real for the men in here, Right? We battle this constantly, constantly, constantly. And so the, the, the fact that we battle these, these conflicting desires are evidence. And here's the good news. The good news is that Jesus isn't done with you. Jesus is not done with you. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 says that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. That you are a work in progress, but I'm so thankful that Jesus doesn't put down the hammer He doesn't put down the chisel and call it a day. He keeps on working, and he's making me into who he wants me to be. Is that good news? That is good news. And this is what the the theologians call the already and not yet. The already and not yet. That right now, you are perfect in the sight of God. That right now, he looks at you, and that's my kid. Check him out, right? Check him out. Let me me tell you 10 stories about him because I'm so proud of him, right? Right? But at the same exact time, He's disciplining us because we're not yet where he wants us to be, right? I remember uh, the summer after I got saved, I think it was the summer after I got saved, uh, we went to Okoboji, you know, Lake Okoboji in Iowa, right? Because I was at Boys Town. I was at Boys Town. That's where we went for, for vacation. And I remember in my house, we were, we were gathering together to pray um, uh, for our, because for, the guy who was our house parent, he was discipling us. He was teaching us how to read our Bible, how to share our faith, how to pray. And, he was te- and we were praying for opportunities to share the gospel with people, uh, people around us. And so later that day, we had been praying for our cabin, so the cabin next to us, knowing full well that we would be on the same boat together, on the same boat together. God, would you give us an opportunity to show them grace, to show them favor, to, to love them, to, what, you know, generosity, all this stuff, right? And I was like, yeah, on fire. I get on the boat. Everybody, we start putting on uh, wetsuits, right? And guess who grabbed the wetsuit first? I did. I put it on, right? And you saw these kids, and, and this one kid was like, I, I want to go in the water. 
before I go in the water. And Bobby, the guy who was discipling me, looks at me and says, hey, take off the wetsuit. Give it to him. And I'm like, no. No, he's like, dude, we just prayed about this this morning. He was like, he was too slow. I want to get in the water, right? And here's one of the things. This isn't really part of the text. But Bobby looked at me, and he looked like he wanted to take my head off. But he was like, take the wetsuit off, right? And I, and I took it off. I took it off. And, 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 and I, I don't know if he would say this, because I asked him about this, and he doesn't even remember that whole, situation, that whole situation. But I believe it was God teaching me in that moment. Teaching me in that moment, because my desire, I did want my, my neighbors to know Jesus. I did want to extend favor and generosity to them. I also wanted to kneeboard, right? Listen, the conflicting desires is evidence of your salvation. I don't want to. All right, lastly, let's wrap this up. Lastly, Jesus has delivered you. Let's look at chapter 7, verse 24 through 8.1. He says, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Wretched man man that I am. That word wretched means tired. It means exhausted. It means depleted of all energy and ability. It means that, that, that you, you're tapping out. Anybody ever watch UFC fights in here? Yeah. Uh, MMA fights, right? You, you see them at the end of it, at the end of the fight. I remember watching this one fight. It was uh, Johnny Hendricks and Carlos Condit, right? And that doesn't matter. But at the end of five... <laughs> At the end of five rounds, right, at the end of five rounds, the, one of them, they didn't raise their hands. They weren't like, yeah, I got this. They weren't like, ah, they weren't doing any of that. They both put their hands on the top of the cage, and they were just exhausted. They were done. They were spent. And he says, wretched man that I am, I am depleted. I am exhausted. Who will deliver me from this body of death? This body of death was like a, a torture mechanism that the Romans used to use. One of the ways that they would torture people was they would handcuff them, chain them to a dead body. And a dead body would rot and decompose and infect and, and make the, the person that's tied to them sick. And over time, the person would die. And guess what they did? They tied somebody else to that person, right? It's this body of death that brings nothing but death. He says, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but in my flesh I serve the law of sin. And he says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. I can say it in different languages. Nada. Yet, nine, none. That's all I got. That's all I got. All right? That's all I got. None. If First uh, Peter five says that the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. You know who the, who the, who the lion devours? The one who's separated from the pack. The one who's separated from the pack. And he says that there is no condemnation for the one in the, uh, that's isolated or the pack. There is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And this matters for you personally. But this matters not just for you personally. It matters for us corporately. That absolutely, 100%, this is a personal message. Paul himself, me, I, myself, all, over, all, all time, right? But the gospel of Jesus Christ 
while it is personal, it is not private. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is not a, like a philosophy or an idea or a piece of advice, right? It is good news that your relationship with the God of the universe has made you whole again and has made you part of a family. That you are a child of God in the family of God. And as a child of God in the family of God, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Is that good news? Why does this matter for us? This matters for us, not just for each individual in the room and each person listening to this message. It matters for us corporately because Paul was writing this letter to a church of people, of real people, who were wrestling with the tension of diversity. Uh Uh-oh. Listen, diversity is a gospel issue. The reason why Paul wrote this letter is because the church in Rome was a church of Gentile Christians and Jewish Christians who were coming together, right? They were, they, were, they were doing life together, and they had the Gentile way of doing things and the Jewish way of doing things. And they come together, and they both want to love God. They both want to worship Jesus together. They both want to do the things. They have a desire in their inner being to please God, but yet they're wrestling in this tension. You guys tracking with me? And this tension pulls them apart from one another. The, 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 work, the law I work in their members, he, Paul says, in their flesh would have us separate and isolate and, and make us think that we're the only ones dealing with this. I'm the only one battling this temptation. I'm the only one battling this sin. Oh, I don't like it the way they do it. I prefer the way I do it. You guys tracking? Right? And he says the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And I, I want to just encourage you this morning that if that's you, if that's you, I want you to believe truth of the gospel. There is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And then what do we do with this? Hebrews 4 15 and 16 says this. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses but one who in every respect has been tempted and yet is without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. So what's, what's this saying? It's saying that, listen, the temptation that you're feeling, this battle, this tension that you're experiencing, the temptation to sin, Jesus has experienced that same temptation, yet never succumbed to it. He never gave in to it. He has been victorious, and he, he's identified with your weakness, but he beat it. And his victory is your victory. Is that good news? And then he says, therefore, in light of Jesus' victory, we can approach the throne of grace with confidence. Not with timidity and fear, but with confidence. Not like the neighbor kid asking if he can get a snack, right? But like the child of God, my kids run into my bedroom in the middle of the night because they're scared and they need help. And he says that you may receive grace and mercy to help in a time of need. I don't know where, where you're at this morning, but I know that in one way or another, you need mercy and you need grace. And the great news is that whether you're, if you're battling this tension, you can approach him with confidence. So can we do that this morning? Let's pray. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you that your word confirms and reminds us that we are not alone. That Jesus, when you commissioned your disciples, you said, behold, I'm with you forever. And God, right now you are with us. That some of us are battling, Lord God, in, in, in our in our marriages, in our work, with addictions, uh, with our parenting, in a variety of ways. And what we want to do in those areas, Lord, um, they conflict 
with our flesh. So God, would you empower us? Would you give us the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, to overcome, to be reminded that there is no condemnation for us, to be empowered, to be able to take steps toward the throne of grace with confidence, Lord. Would you deliver us and free us? We just thank you. We pray all this in Jesus' great and mighty name and all of God's people said, amen, amen.